This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell rushing. Good morning, Java. How you doing this morning, man? You pushing buttons like crazy in there. Yeah, man. I, I kind of blew in this morning. The kids started uh, summer camp, so that's where <laughs> I, I literally just left them. You, and, had, uh, to, you and, had to pack lunch, right? Well, they... they well. <laughs> I had to do a lot of things been, this morning. Been there, been there. Well, I can't find my shoe. Uh-huh. All <laughs> all of that, all of the above. Well, that's okay. Listen, next week you and I are going to do something really special. Yeah, we're going to get we're going to get back on the road. We got one more stop to make. We weren't planning on this either. We started this this idea just sort of came out of we're stuck in here. We need to get out. We need to go do stuff around the state. I said, "Well, let's just get in my truck and go." And the next thing I knew, the foundation folks have got this wonderful setups all over the state, everywhere. But uh, it works a fine. But the problem is the folks in Meridian said, why don't you do one in Meridian? Well, we did. Well, we really. It was it was a sort of kind of. We broadcast live from the Max. But we didn't bring the full. That's right. You weren't there. It was a remote thing and their wonderful studio. But anyway, they said, if you come back to Meridian, let's do it outside. They got a covered pavilion right there between the Max and the train station. Why don't you you and Java just come over, you know, bring some foundation folks and just sit up and let's do a live thing where people can just bring chairs or sit in chairs, whatever, and just just chill outdoors without charging anything. And that's what we're going to do. Next yeah. Friday, we're going to be broadcasting live um, like we did when we went to Natchez and we went to Oxford and, and Cleveland, went to Cleveland and, and, and uh, Long Beach. And but this Pasadena time we're going to be in Meridian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be Meridian. And we can start at nine o'clock. So, folks, y'all need to come on. If you're from Macon, drive on down. If you're from Philadelphia, don't be scared. The road goes straight to Meridian downtown. If you're from Waynesboro, Come on. If you're from Shibuda, we want to see you. Yeah, it's a live live radio, so we have a hard a hard start. And it's and it's at free. 9 it's free. We can have we've had a lot of fun too. It's been a lot of fun getting out. So uh anyway, I'll be in my truck with all the stuff in the back. I'll bring a flower bouquet from, from, from my yard and kick around some ideas. And basically it's MPB on the road. You and me, Java, are gonna take it to the street. Yeah, it's it's been really fun. It's glad to go one more time because we're going to turn it over to some uh, different shows. You may see Autocorrect out and about. Next Stop Mississippi at one of your festivals. Deep South Dining at your favorite restaurant. The, the, the Fix-It Folks. The Fix-It Folks at your local hardware. Not, to, not that we wouldn't pull up at a big box, but yeah. at your local hardware store. So just keep your eyes open for MPB on the road. Is any any other public broadcasting in the country doing this? Not to my knowledge. That's what that is what makes uh, MPB very very unique. Well, I, I love being part. You know, I'm just here for an hour a week. I'm just what they call a contract employee. <laughs> but I show up and we have so much fun. Anyway, we're going to take the party to the road in Meridian next week. We'll talk more about that later. But today it's a live program talking about gardening. So what's on your mind? What's going on? What are you harvesting? What are you having trouble with? What's your question? What's your, your trick that you learn that you want to share with others? Give us a call. It's toll free one eight seven seven. 
and 877 means anywhere in the country is a free caller. 877-MPB-RING. Now, I, this is not more, more so of a question, uh, Felder, but this is an, an observation that I've always noticed, and I guess you could give me some scientific insight on it. The flowers or the plants, they will find the sun. I had the, those uh, the 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 herbs that we planted with the kids. Yeah. they were they're in uh in baskets, and y'all put little seeds out, right? And we put and we put the seeds, and they sprouted up every. It was real nice. I had them in a good uh sunny spot, uh-huh. and then um we pulled them out of the yard and put them up under the porch, and they stayed there for a little while, and then the next time I looked at them and went over to them, they were all leaned. They yeah. were they were leaning out toward the sun. Yeah, well, they 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 couldn't have you know they couldn't make gestures with their hands or you know anything <laughs> like that. So, Help us here. So I was like, man, this is always amazing how you see those plants. Like they're gonna find the sun. Okay, now you want to know the scientific reason behind it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Somebody give us a call and help us out. Don't make me don't make me do this. I'd rather be a, just a so-so gardener than a garden expert any day. But here's the truth: is uh, you know, solar energy. That's where the, the the power comes from, and it makes cells grow. Well, the cells that are on the uh, that are on the sunny side of the street are short and stocky, and the cells on the stem that are away from the the light that aren't getting much light, they grow longer and thinner. In other words, the cells that that don't get as much light get longer, and that pushes that side up and over towards it. So short cells on the sunny side, not enough sun, the cells get longer, and that bends it over. Ain't that some stupid stuff to know? But it's the truth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think when you – they didn't want they don't want you to go down this path because I have other scientific questions I could easily oh, ask listen, listen, with I, my, curi- my curious mind. But we got David uh, from Jackson who wants to um, break break this uh, science, okay. science show. You know, David, I can make people's eyes bleed and their ears bleed with stupid detail about stuff. But I'd rather just talk about garden. What you got? What's going on, Dave? Hey, Felder, I, I think I got one of your favorite questions. It's, it's a, a hand-me-down porch plant from many different propagations. Yeah. Uh, right here in Fondren. Yeah, I got I got a night-blooming Sirius that I've had for a couple years now. Cool, cool. Um, and and it, it does great. It's always got new growth. Growth's a little bit smaller, a little bit less this year, and it's never bloomed. Um, but recently, and I've seen some big ones at garden centers um, that, that have lost a good bit of their green but still obviously look really healthy. Yeah. Mine are just slightly yellowing. Um, it, maybe it got a little bit too much water. Can you think of another reason why? Is it just because they just lose a little bit of that green as they get older? Well, or, you know, the, the the scientist in me comes up with all sorts of possibilities. There's also a possibility that you're just you're just not very good gardener. It's got it got in a bad place. <laughs> here, hey, here here's the deal. That plant, by the way, the the name of it is uh, uh, Epiphyllum. It grows in trees like Spanish moss. It doesn't really grow in dirt. So you have it in potting soil. Where they grow naturally in the tropics is hanging off of cliffs and uh, tree crevices like bromeliads and stuff. And it really doesn't like a lot of water or a lot of fertilizer. It blooms. It grows better if it gets a lot of sunshine. But it, here in the south, it will scorch if you put it out, turn real red and all, get sunburned in full sun. So bright light, you know, as, as bright as possible is best. Water 
after it gets dry. Don't let it stay dry, but let it get dry and, and water thin and just a tiny bit of fertilizer every now and then. That's all it needs. You know, it usually gets its fertilizer from bird droppings and stuff like that. So mm. bright light as possible, maybe even some direct sunshine, but not enough to sunburn it. And uh, let it get a little dry before you soak it, tiny bit of fertilizer, and that's about it. You know, you can also prune that thing. And it'll branch back out with real strong, healthy new growth. So if it gets too scraggly, just cut it back. And root the pieces you cut off, but what's left will bush out with real strong, healthy new growth. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Felder. Oh, I know. I got a question for you. Where did you get this plant? Oh, yeah. Did you buy it? Oh, did no you steal way. it from you steal it. it from Eudora's my, porch? My, I did not. My, my, my best friend in, in the world moved up to Maine and couldn't bring it with him. Ah. Uh, uh, just wasn't going to survive there, but get this—he's moving back, so so he'll you, probably. So that's what we're trying. We're, we're, we're trying to get it looking good, so so he doesn't think you killed his plant. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. Little little bit of light, and when's he coming back? You got a couple of three weeks. Yeah, I got a couple of three weeks. Yeah. Okay, prune one or two branches back, and they'll have new growth before he gets here. Bless you. Appreciate you. <laughs> okay, man. Appreciate it. By the way, uh, Java, look what I grew. It's a little, but and I got a whole bunch. I got three plants out there, but I rooted around this morning and I got a potato off of my potato plant. Well, ain't that special? Well, it is to me. You know, <laughs> I mean, I wrote the book, but you know, growing stuff is a whole different ball. You got to do stuff. But I got a potato that I grew, and also some blueberries from my little bitty yard. Little, yeah, these are ornamental plants. So anyway, I feel special. No, you you are a, a great gardener. You you downplay yourself a lot, but it's you 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 can suit your own home. Well, I, I'll tell you this: I grew some English peas for the first time in a long time, and I got just enough peas to fill a seed packet, which cost me two and a half dollars, and I could have bought those peas for seventy five cents. <laughs> let's talk to um, let's talk to Bobby in Petal, who wants to say something this morning. Hey, Bobby, good morning. How are you? Good morning. <clears throat> Got a question about my squash. I plant a big garden, grow a lot of stuff, and uh, I use plant the straight neck yellow squash. Mm-hmm. But the last two or three years, a lot of them are halfway green. It's just got a pale green color on about half of the, the squash. You know, and I don't know why. This is this is really strange. You have zucchini anywhere nearby? Well, I always have zucchini right next door. Okay, here's here's the. I actually saw a, a picture. Of somebody uh, there, there's a a gardening uh, a Facebook gardening thing that I belong to. Somebody sent, and they were yellow squash are just as as pale green as they could be. Uh, when squash cross pollinate, you know, with each other, the zucchini and yellow squash will cross pollinate, and usually it just affects the seeds. So if you try to save your seed, you can get some kind of weird half zucchini, half whatever. Uh, so, but usually cross pollination doesn't affect doesn't affect the 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 flesh, just the seeds. It's possible that you got a good dose of zucchini pollen, you know, from from a bee that is just sort of making the skin tinge a little green. That's that's a, nothing but an educated guess. I, I know that there's not poisons or anything, but I I don't have another explanation. So I'm just guessing. <laughs> Long as I can eat them and not get sick, I'm all right with it. You, you're not going to sure get sick, you know. I mean, you know, once you know, once, you know, once you cook them, the zucchini and yellow squash taste sort of alike. Well, that's as good of a good excuse as I can give. So that, that's, yeah, out that's, question, I'm, you know, if I know something, I can be a real jerk about it. If I don't know something, I can be a jerk about that too. I don't know, uh-huh. and I ain't going to guess. 
Well, I'm going to tell him you told me, so we'll go with it. <laughs> Felder said it's a cross-pollination thing, and then somebody's going to say, Felder, no. Anyway, you you can take it from yeah. there. <laughs> well, you know what's a fact. All right, I appreciate it. Okay, good luck. Now, that's, that's twice in two days, once each in two days that I've seen that, heard that question that I've never heard before. And that's really weird. So I'll, I'll check it out. Not that, that big a deal. Um, my plants that I brought in, I brought in a, 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 a potato. It's not, <clears throat> not a big potato, but not supposed to be. It's supposed to be a small white one. I brought in some blueberries, which I actually grew. That's my edible plants. My native plant of the week. Oh, I'll say that. My heirloom plant is called Montbrecia. Montbrecia. It's an orange form of a plant called Crocosmia. 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 Orange Crocosmia. It's called Montbrecia. It spreads. It looks like gladiolus foliage. Uh, interesting little flowers. Hard to explain what they look like. Little orange stars. Really, really tough and durable and tends to spread. So once you get a start of this, you got it. You can hardly buy it anywhere. So every time you see this Montbrecia, this Crocosmia, it came from somebody else's garden. It shows that connection that gardeners have. We're going to take a real quick break and come back with more of your phone calls in the Gestalt Gardener here at MPB right after this. Hi, Larry Morrissey with the Arts Commission, reminding you to tune in for the Arts Hour. We have in-depth conversations with Mississippi artists, writers, musicians, and other creatives. The Mississippi Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 on MPB Radio or download it as a podcast. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow Rushy. Me and Java are going to take it on the road next week. Friday, June the 11th, we're broadcasting live from the Max downtown, right by the train station. A fantastic museum. If you could call it so much more than a museum. But it's going to be free. It's going to be in the open air pavilions covered, so don't worry about social distance. Bring a lawn chair. Bring a plant if you want to swap. I'm going to bring some some plants to share from my own garden in my pickup truck with the garden in the back. But meanwhile, let's slide all the way up to the top northeast corner of the state. Talk with Mike in Corinth. Although, Mike, you're really not the top northeast corner. You're just pretty close. Hey, Mike, good morning. Mike, I might have scared him off. Hello, Mike. Okay, he might not real. I don't know. Anyway. I could tell he, well. He's there. He's just, he's fixing his coffee. He was <laughs> listening, you know, and that kind of thing. But he has, if you want to call back, Mike, and give us your question. Oh, I think we, hold on, uh, Felder. I think we got Mike. Mike, you there? Yes. Howdy. Sorry. We caught you by surprise, didn't we? You did. <laughs> what's going What's going on up in Corinth? Uh, I think you answered this question uh, a week or two ago. A fella called in, but uh, I'm going to ask it again. My father had a what I would call an heirloom rose that's been passed down through the family. It was a, a white bloomer and a uh, climbing rose. Uh, had beautiful blooms, but as soon as they bloomed. It automatically just started turning brown. The the flowers. Yes. Yeah. This is that is that your question? Because I got a good idea what it is. Was, was yes. It, if if you'll take a rose, and this is a terrible thing to do because you'll be ruined for the rest of your life. Do this with a rose or a gardenia. If you tap the flowers on a piece of paper and look on it, you'll see these tiny little things. They're cigar-shaped insects, about the size of a little typewritten letter I, and they sort of hop and crawl around. They're called thrips. 
starts with the TAs. Thrips are tiny little things, and they burrow into unopened flower buds. They get, can burrow down in between the petals because they're skinny, and they sort of chew on the petals. They don't bite it so much. They just chew on it, and that causes them to disc- discolor real, real quick. You see them on magnolias, gardenias, roses, and uh, they're real common, hard to get rid of, too. Hard to get, but thrips are, you know, thump it on a piece of paper and you'll see them. Is there any spray that you could spray it with? Well, you know, they're not hard to kill, but the problem is they burrow down in unopened buds, and there's so many of them, you know, that the sprays can't follow them into those buds. The only real control for them is use one of these systemic insecticides, like you mix with water and pour around the roots, and it gets taken about the plant, then when they bite the, the plant, that kills them that way. That's the only real control for thrips. Otherwise, you'd be spraying all the time. And uh, now, who wants to spray a rose all the time? Would you apply the, the systemic in the winter? or uh, The systemics need to be taken up by the plant when they're actively growing. So we're looking at March, April, May, you know, when they're actively growing. It's, and it's just going to sit there until it gets sucked up by the roots, and that doesn't happen until they leap out in the spring. So late March, April, that's probably the best time to do this. And um, and every garden center, it's the same stuff they're treating crepe myrtles with for this bark scale, but it's a systemic insecticide mixed with water poured around the roots. And that's about the only thing you can do and, and even then that's just temporary because thrips go be back every year they're like mosquitoes okay i understand but anyway you thump, okay. if you it, 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 i would recommend against thumping on a piece of paper because once you see them you can't unsee it i see <laughs> okay well you've asked my question okay hey, hey meanwhile aren't they pretty when they open they are pretty uh and really prolific there's a lot of blooms yeah and they smell good is this uh, a good fragrant one Right, uh-huh. Cool, 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 cool. Mm-hmm. How did you get yours? Did, did you grow up from a cutting? you dig up the old plant or what? I actually didn't uh, transfer them to my place uh, after my father passed away for that reason, uh, because once they bloomed, they just started turning brown right away. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's just one, one of the things, you know, it's just, it's like, you know, growing hair on my ears. As soon as I pluck them, the next time I turn around, there they are again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good luck on it, Mike, and uh, that's that's most likely called thrips. Thank you. Enjoy your program. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, and let's slide down to Central Mississippi, Madison. Adam, what's going on? Good morning. Hey, turn 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 your turn your radio down. Yes, sir. There we go. What's up, man? It's nice talking to you again. Thanks. Welcome back. Uh, I got a question for you. No, uh, I just bought, uh, a month ago, I bought uh, three plants, hibiscus, bare roots, and uh, I planted them in the big pots, and they're doing beautifully now. Uh-huh. But my question to you is, is it better to leave it in the pot or transfer it to the ground? Are these uh, the hibiscus with the big tropical-looking flowers and kind of a slick leaf? Yes, sir. Okay, those are uh, those are, uh, are actually tropical plants. You put them in the ground, they'll do fine in, a, in some pretty good dirt in a sunny flower bed, but they'll freeze in the wintertime real quick. They freeze even most of the time even on the coast. So if you want to keep them year after year, I'd keep them in pots. But if you want to put them out at just, uh, you know, as pretty flower bed, little small shrubs, they'll, they'll actually grow better in some good flowers. Good flower bed dirt than in a pot. You don't have to take care of them as much, but you'd have to dig them back up in the fall or bring them over the winter. Right. So either or, either leave them in a the pot or 
put them in the ground. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the, the, if you keep them in a pot, of course, they need to be watered more often, which means you need to give them a little fertilizer from time to time because it washes away with all that watering. Um, yes, sir. Uh, either way, you know, if you want to bring them in in the wintertime, just cut them back to just stubs. They'll put out new growth, no problem at all. A lot of you are bringing in a plant that's been pruned back. But anyway, that, that's, the, that's the name of that tune. That would be great. I appreciate it. All right. Hey, thanks for your Thank call. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay, now I can't tell. We go to staying in Madison or going to Columbus? Uh, let's let's keep it local. Let's stay in Madison. Okay. Hey, John. Good morning. Hey, good morning, uh, Felder. I I was living in blissful ignorance until you made that comment about the trips, and I took a <laughs> took a piece of notebook paper and went and stumped my gardenias. Oh and, no! Uh, <laughs> like a, you said, I can't unsee it now. There's a lot of them, man. It's a lot of them, but you know if. It's a, it's a weird thing. Sorry about that. That's it's like right. there's no Santa Claus. Oops, I didn't say that. Uh, well, I, I, that's okay. I ate my first homegrown tomato of the year yesterday, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm batting pretty well so far. Um, I've got petunias that are doing great and have already bloomed, but they've already uh, they've already started getting leggy, and yeah. I've, I've never attempted this. But can you just cut those way back, or will? Yeah, uh, you know, petunias are sort of they're native the same place as tomatoes. They're they're really the the wild ones are kind of thin, viney looking things from up in the Andes, and you can prune them all you want. Uh, if they're still blooming, you might want to cut you know, some stems now, and then when they start branching out, then cut the other ones so you always have something going. And uh, most of the petunias, with the exception of those old wild ones, uh, the the ones that reseed themselves, old fashioned pastel ones, and one that's called. Um, Something purple. I can't remember. Purple wave. The wave petunias will take a lot of heat. But most of the petunias that you get here, when it gets really, really hot, they sort of peter out a little bit, and you almost have to prune them to keep them getting too leggy and, and all like that. Anyway, no problem pruning them. Okay, thanks. Oh, no, I got a question to ask you. When you ate your first tomato, didn't you feel a little smug better than your neighbors maybe? I smelled, I felt a lot smoke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not supposed to talk about Java. We're not supposed to talk about that kind of stuff. But gardening is sociology, but it's also psychology. And when you bite this, this little potato of mine, it will not win any awards, but I grew it, and it's going to be better than all the other potatoes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, John, thank you for your call, man. Thank you. Okay, now let's slide over to Columbus. We did a, a, a live broadcast from Columbus uh, about a month or so ago. What's up, Alvin? Oh, how you doing? Oh, yes. Hey, I got a question about a tree. Mm-hmm. I um came from California, and I bring an avocado tree with me. It was in the pot. Yeah. And I know they require that Mediterranean-type atmosphere. Yeah. But I was going to try it anyway. I bring it back, and I had it in the pot for about two weeks outside getting the sun. Uh-huh. But... As soon as I put that joker in the ground, you know, I put the root ball and everything, you know, with it, with the planting soil and the fertilizer of avocado and citrus. Mm-hmm. And that joker, it wilted and died, started dying as soon as I took it out of the pot. It, yeah. It, could it be the soil or just the climate out here, those things? It's not the climate. The climate is rough. And we can actually grow. There. There is a type of avocado that will take a good bit of cold. It's hard to find. It's a fairly new variety, but most of the time they're tropical or, or they're subtropical and they'll freeze in, 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 in uh, central Mississippi. But it's most likely what happened. You pull it out of a pot, right? And it's in this potting soil. When you water it, 
the it gets all the water once, and the extra water sort of drains out real quick. But you put it in the ground and water it, and the water doesn't have anywhere to go, so it stays around the roots and can temporarily drown a plant. So the roots that are that are formed in potting soil are different kind of roots that are formed in dirt. And it sounds like you might have just put it in there and temporarily overwatered, might have just drowned it. Okay, yeah, because I think I'm going to get another one and get a more mature tree. Yeah. Next time, leave it in the pot for a while. And well, I figure you, you, you don't even have to get a, a mature tree. You know, I mean, they're fun to grow from, you know, you can grow them from, from the, 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 what I call the guacamole seed. You know, you can grow mm. them from that. But um, there are different varieties, you know, of avocados. I was at a subtropical fruit station down in South Florida. They had maybe 15 different kinds. Some kinds do better here than others because of our hot, humid summer night. When you're in California, it got hot in the day, but it cooled down at night, and it doesn't do that here. And uh, oh, unfortunately, yeah, okay. the avocados in the ground here in, in Columbus are going to freeze just about every winter unless you cover them up and do all sorts of stuff. But anyway, work up the dirt pretty good. Plant, you know, when you get a new one, you kind of loosen up the roots in the potting soil a little bit, stir them in your dirt so it doesn't have go from potting soil to dirt. You want to sort of grow it in a mixture of the two, and right at first, try not to overwater it till it gets used to it. Okay, then I appreciate that because I was just wondering what I did wrong with that thing. I think I think it just uh, it's it just too too much of a shot. You know, just like when you move from what part of California did you move from? Ventura. Okay, so you know, right there on the coast, you know, Highway 101, got the you know the fog in the morning, and and it cools mm-hmm. down at night, and all that kind of stuff, and all of a sudden, bam, Mississippi heat, humidity, slap you in the face. Avocado went through that same stuff, and it said, you know what, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, I sound like it. Hang in there, Alvin. All right, thanks. Okay, appreciate it. Um, think we can talk to Charlie in Vicksburg because I got a really really cheesy tune to play. But let's go to Vicksburg and see what Charlie's up to. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Peter, how's it going? So far, so good. What's up, man? Hey, so uh, I bought this old house in Vicksburg, and there's some woods behind me, and I've just noticed this tree growing in the back. Now, it's kind of crowded out by those paper mulberries that are popping up everywhere. <laughs> they, they, will, they, will, they will crowd. Yes. They're cool, though. The birds love those little yeah. bits of berries. I like, the, like they, I like the sandpaper feel of the leaves, too. But anyway, what, what's, what's up with your other so tree? I have, a, I have a tree, and it's got flowers, and they're kind of a lavender or a lilac color, and it almost looks like it would be, and even the leaves, almost like a hibiscus. It is a hibiscus. It, okay, that is a hibiscus. And here's the deal. It's hibiscus syriacus. It's native to Syria, and uh, it's a hardy plant. It's hardy shrub outside in Canada. I mean, it, it's the the only really hardy, woody hibiscus we have. A lot of people call it um, Althea, and some people call it Rose of Sharon because it's from the plains of Sharon from the Old Testament. But oh, a Rose of that. Sharon or Althea, and that's what it is. It's a cool summer-blooming plant. All right. Well, my question is then, should I try to cut down those uh, paper mulberries so that it can get more sun? Is it full sun or is it? Happy it'll, in the shade. It, uh, Althea will bloom okay in light shade. It'll grow in full sun. But it gets kind of yellow in our hot, hot, hot summer nights. But it'll do fun and perfectly fine in full sun if it's got plenty of elbow room. So, you know, you might want to just thin some of them out, not just to give it more elbow room, but to make it look better. You know, put right. something up under it like a, a gazing ball or an urn or a bird bath, something to draw attention to it to make it feel special, and it'll bloom better for you. I will do that, yeah, because it's kind of in the woods. The woods have encroached out, 
and uh, I, I, I want to push it back, and I, I just didn't want to cut that one down. It's a great, great old heirloom. There's all different kinds. There's white ones. There's rosy pink ones. There's, there's one called Bluebird, the blue as it could be. Here's something else you can do. Uh, if you'll notice, a big old bumblebee-type uh, uh, bees, they'll get in the flower. You can, can, can close the flower up around it and catch a bumblebee. But then, but then you got a tiger by the tail because when you let it go, he's going to come out saying, "What's up with that?" Yeah. <laughs> Good luck on it, Charlie. Is Althea or Rosa Sharon? Great, thank you. You bet. Appreciate your call. All righty, you ready for a cheesy tune? We got a. Well, I might have played this one before. I don't know, but I just felt like. Anyway, here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we've got programs all week long, Monday through Friday. What, three a day, right? Something like that? Starting at, well, actually four if you count Mississippi Edition from 8.30 to 9 and there from 9 to noon. I promise you're going to learn something you didn't know before you heard it. That's right. That's right. And uh, we try to take it local. Speaking of take it local, um, we're going to do one more before it gets too hot. Nice, shaded, covered, outdoor, socially distanced, beautiful setting at the Max Downtown Meridian next Friday, live, starting at 9 o'clock. Come on, it's free. We're going to have a good time, not expecting you to look like much or to sound like much, but we're just going to take it to the road. Anyway, here's some cheesy music. We'll come back more with Scott Gardner right after this. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. We're talking about gardening here. Talking about gardening. You got some things you want to yak about? We got the lines wide open. Uh, Java, I was cleaning out my truck today, getting ready to haul some stuff, and look what I found in my truck. My fat mama's cup. Fat mama's tomato, <laughs> and also your your uh, uh, pig out in barbecue. The cup. The pig out in, yeah. Nat- Natchez was a good haul for cups. We, yeah, both was, restaurants was, we uh, anyway, went to. Well, I got this. You know, you could punch a hole in the bottom and plant something in if you wanted to. But anyway, the fat mama's. We had fun in Natchez. That was fun. Did a live broadcast and had a priest there with his his outfit. Yeah, and I was having to keep it clean and all that. <laughs> And they're just right there on the bluff. You know, you can't get oh, yeah. more picturesque than right off yeah. of the Mississippi River. I had so much fun taking this thing to the road. We went to every corner of the state. I had so much fun. And the people who showed up had fun, too, because, you know, I, I'm not going to say that we're funny looking, but we're funny looking. We're on radio. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not by accident. Well, uh, I did bring a – we've got a caller uh, coming in, but I've, I've got a the native plant I brought today to talk about. I like to talk about an edible plant, an heirloom plant, and a native plant. And this is not exactly a native. It's a type of milkweed. Milkweed is famous because this, the, the sap is milky and deer don't like to eat it which because it's, it's kind of a caustic – sort of like a, what's in a rubber tree. It's a milky, sticky sap. Um, but milkweed is famous because it's a host plant from monarch butterflies. They lay eggs only on different kinds of, of milkweed. We have a lot of different kinds of milkweed, vine, uh, perennials and all. But there's one that's from Mexico or the Caribbean, South America. It's called tropical milkweed. Some people call it blood milkweed or different kind of – anyway, it's a, 
it's a better garden quality plant. Uh, it's upright. It gets up maybe three feet, sometimes a little bit taller. It bushes out. The more you prune it, the more bushy it gets. It blooms nonstop from spring until after a freeze in the fall. So it's a much better garden plant uh, than the other milkweeds that come and go. Uh, it's a pretty plant, real easy to grow from cuttings, really easy from seed. I've got some of the seeds here that are little, they look like uh, a little uh, flat. They look like ticks with parachutes. Uh, anyway, really, really easy from seed. It blooms all the time, and hummingbirds love it. Butterflies love it. Uh, monarchs love it. And uh, again, it's a better quality garden plant. And most of the time, it'll come back from the ground. Sometimes it's actually evergreen on the coast. But uh, it's just a really good plant called blood or tropical milkweed. And uh, even though it's not the native milkweed, I'm counting it uh, as one of our native type plants because it's such a great plant for, for the garden and butterflies. Tropical milkweed or blood milkweed. It's got a Latin name that starts with C-U-R, Cura Savica or something like that. Anyway, cool plant. And once you got it, you can keep it going with seeds or cuttings. Now, let's go down to the Gulf Coast and talk to Marina. Or, or, or are you at the Marina? <laughs> uh, nope, I'm, I, but I do have that aquatic name. For okay. sure. <laughs> What's going on? Um, I have bought some property. Um, it's mostly wooded. Um, we are taking down some trees, but it will still be shady. Uh-huh. And I was looking for bushes that I could plant for privacy that would grow quickly on one side. Mm, is this for, for like privacy from your neighbors or just because you don't like yes. to see the interstate or something like that? <laughs> neighbors. Neighbors on one side. I have neighbors that are pretty close to the line. So you, I, I wanted something that would kind of grow quick. Have you, got a, have you got a good size yard or is it kind of a small yard? Um, it's, it's five acres. So I got lots okay, of Okay, okay. Well, one of the plants that grows well in the shade on the Gulf Coast is native of the Gulf Coast. is called wax myrtle. And wax, okay. wax myrtle, if you, when you drive along the roadsides, you know, all the pines along the roads, a wax myrtle yes. is, is one of those, those big shrubs you see out in there. It's real fast. It's not a real dense plant unless you prune it to thicken it up. But wax myrtle mm-hmm. is a great native woodland plant that provides good screening. So, you know, that's that's okay. a good And if you get a little one, Marina, a little one, if you'll sort of spread the roots out when you plant it, nice wide hole, mm-hmm. spread the roots out, a little one will get bigger than us by the first year. They're quick. They're fast growing. Oh, wow. But, you oh, know, great. That's that, what I'm looking for, fast growing. Yeah. That's a good one. You can also, whether if there's a direct line between you and something you don't, you either you don't want to see or you don't want them to see, something, you know, yeah. if you hold your hand up to shade your eyes from the sun, you know, you, mm-hmm. you only have to block off a small bit of the sky to keep the sun out of your eyes. Yeah, you you yeah. can use that principle with your neighbors by putting like a piece of lattice or something. It doesn't have to be a fence that goes to the ground, but a piece of lattice between a couple of posts. And the lattice can be like two or three feet off the ground and go up, turn it sideways and sort, sort of like a like a billboard, you know. Part you know it's yeah. up, and you can you can move that up and down until you have exactly the view that you don't want to see blocked, and it sort of disappears. It's instant, and it's just okay. again it's like it's shading your eyes from. But a piece of lattice between a couple of posts is instant. You can grow a vine on it. What so if you put two or three of those here and there, and wax myrtles in between, you got something going on without it being a fence. That sounds perfect. Yeah, that's great, and and they can handle the shade because I met, when a lot of the plants I was looking at required shunt. Sun, so they no. can handle growing in the shade. Yeah, and uh, we also have com- we have camellias. 
You know, mm-hmm. there that that grow in the shade. Uh, uh, there, there's a whole. If you ride around some of the older neighborhoods and look in the shaded gardens, you'll see quite a few plants that do that. But I think about starting with the wax myrtle because it's fast and it's native. It's fast. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay, Marina. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, now sliding a little bit to the east. Let's go to eastern L.A., east lower Alabama to, to uh, Mobile. Hey, Kent, good morning. Good morning. What's up? Uh, well, I have a house on Dolphin Island, and after this last hurricane, or maybe the next to the last one of them, um, these, I don't know if they're palmettos or palm trees or whatever, and started sprouting up in my yard. Yeah. And I don't want them there. Well, yeah, you can't <laughs> have to I do just, if, if I just keep mowing them off, will that kill them? Uh, it, it will, because uh, palmettos, which are, which are true palms, whether it's the, the, the native saw palmetto or the needle palm, you know, we have several native palms for, uh, that, that are small plants down there. Uh, their growing tip is right at the very tip. You, you know, if you cut a, a tree or shrub back, it can sprout back out where palms can't. See, so you have, uh-huh. as, as long as you cut off the growing tip of it, it'll do fine. It's hard to dig them up because they have a root that goes down. It's got like a knot in it. Hard to pull them up. Yeah, I've tried that, and that's why I wondered. That's why I wondered if I could just cut them off because I tried digging them up, and that's a hard job. Well, if and there's you, dozens if, of them in the yard. Yeah, if if you get your like a pry bar and stick it down between it yeah. and, and pry them out and catch them while they're small, it's not that hard. And and in the but whether they're just in the yard, if you just keep mowing them, they they can't take that. Okay, great. I was hoping that that would be an answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, okay. I've, I I love palmetto, the 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 dwarf palmetto, which is native even up in as far as Tennessee. I've got that in my yard, but it comes up just from seed all over the place. I just pry them up when I see them. Well, it would be fine if I had one or two, but like I say, there's dozens of them all over the yard, and I just. I just, it just looked like a huge task if I had to pull every one of them up well, or pry every one of them Let up. me ask you this. Are they coming from your yard or your neighbor's yard or yours going to your neighbor's yard? Or do we need to get into that here? <laughs> I don't know where they're coming from. <laughs> just Let's over. just say the hurricane brought them in. They, 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 they came from over Ship Island in Mississippi. That's right. They, we imported them <laughs> okay, from came from Florida. That's right. So anyway, that's the best yeah. you can do, man. Good luck. Good luck on it. Okay, thank you, Felder. You bet. And he said he's from Dolphin Island. It's, uh, you have to get through it over, over a bridge. It's off the coast of uh, Alabama, uh, just, uh, just, just southwest, I guess, from, from Mobile. You go out there in the fall, they've got a, an observation point where they've got a, um, I forget the name of the estuary or something like that. They have the most incredible butterfly uh, uh, plants out there because all these butterflies that, that go south, it's just incredible. I love going out there just for the butterflies. Anyway, let's go up to Starkville, Octiba County. Kent, what's going on, man? Oh, hi. Um, I have a, a beautiful armchair garden uh, this spring. With one exception, so I, I have um, cucumbers mm-hmm. and um, tomatoes and romaine lettuce. Uh, but however, my green, my, my collards and my mustard greens, uh, they're beautiful one day, and then two days later I go out and they're all these little holes. Yeah. And we got so a bu- what are those things that are eating my greens? Are they are they little holes like little round holes? Or are they chew yeah. ra- ragged holes? 
Well, it, kind of ragged, I guess, but they are throughout all the leaves. Just yeah, overnight something comes in and chews. Well, there, there's several there's several insects that it could be without looking at it. You know, it'd be hard for me to say. But flea beetles are one thing. Flea beetles are really really small. They chew look like shot holes in in the plants. And when you turn the leaf over, they drop to the ground. I mean, you got to be quick to to, to find them. Uh, but there's also insects and and uh, snails and stuff that come out at night and chew on stuff. So, unfortunately, there's not any real good insecticides you can spray on leafy greens that don't have a waiting period between when you spray and harvest. Uh, Even some of the natural sprays, you have to wait after you spray to harvest. So, unless you pick one day Mm -hmm. and then spray and then, you know, follow the waiting period, which would be on the label, whatever you use, not much else we can do. Oh, okay. now, and for what it's worth, we're sort of at the end of the season for, for leafy mm-hmm. greens anyway. They start burning I, out when I, it gets hot. Yeah, I know. I knew it was risky. Uh, I actually put them out. You know, we had unseasonably cool weather oh, yeah. all last last month. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm just going to try to trick them. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to trick the weather. Yeah, I just pulled uh, mine up last week. Anyway, they're, they're, you know, short of using insecticide sprays, which you have to get on the bottom of the leaves, you know, or spray uh, late in the day uh, because chances are whatever it is comes out at night and does the feeding. You know, and I could recommend a couple of insecticides, but I just hate to right now this late in the season because just a waiting period. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll just wait till the fall when I'm supposed to put them out yeah, good, <laughs> and plant them again. Good luck on it. Good luck on it. And if you find some kind of critter out there, you know, at, at night, you know, go out the flashlight and put like a yeah. piece of paper up under it and see what it drops on the piece of paper. I'd like to find out what it is. I can help you a little bit better then. Okay. Thanks, Elder. Okay. Appreciate your call. Okay. Now it looks like we're going to stay in Startwell and talk with Kent. Is that right, Kent? No, actually, we're going to move to uh, Alabama. Aaron. I don't know how to say that. Loxley. Is it Oxley? Loxley. Somebody left an L off this, right, Aaron? Loxley it is. Yeah, what's going on, man? You're out in the woods. <laughs> uh, two things. I have a question about trees, but I also just wanted to comment. I, I took a course at Faulkner State with a fellow that claims he was your roommate in Kent, college. Kent Schwartz. Kent, we were in we were in high school, but he taught me into going to college in horticulture. He got me started. You're kidding! No, wow. no. He said he's a delightful I, guy and a very good teacher. He, he, we we were in high school band together, and he and I was working at a garden center. He said, "Feller, you just need to come up, start up, and take some courses." And we ended up all the way through <laughs> through undergrad, and we rented a farmhouse even in graduate school. Wow! Yeah. Wow. Well, he's since retired, but uh, he he's taught at Faulkner for a long time. Oh, yeah. Turf management and all kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I have a question. I have four trees. I call them Chinese pistachio. I think they're actually Chinese pistachio trees. Yeah, same thing. Are you familiar? Yeah. Yeah, same thing. A couple of years ago, in the springtime, I came out, and one of the trees had lost 20% of its leaves, Mm -hmm. just no particular weather or anything, just dropped a bunch of green leaves. Huh. It, it recovered pretty well, but this year, all four of my trees are dropping green leaves like crazy, and they don't look very healthy. But what's going on? 
Oh man, I I, I don't I, like I I can't even guess. I, I no, I will I will guess. Uh, the pistachio trees, Chinese pistachio trees, are extremely drought tolerant. And it could be if you got like a flat ground and it stays really, uh-huh. really wet, it could just be yeah. temporary. Stress. My general rule of thumb, this is nothing but 40 years of observation, and I taught the tree surgery course at State. If the trees drop their leaves, it's just stress. If they turn brown and stick, that's when you got something to worry about. So it sounds like just okay. a, a temporary stress, and it could be because they're very drought tolerant. We've had so much rain that the trees said, you know, we're just throwing some of these things off, and they should put on some new growth. Now, that's, that's, <laughs> that is nothing but an educated guess. But well, I think you may have nailed it because the one that dropped the most leaves is in a low spot in my yard, and we've had a lot of rain where water would stand for a day or two. That's, I, but, you know, I think I think I nail it because this is the plant that's noted yeah. for being extremely drought tolerant. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, they're a very nice tree. But, really uh, pretty, pr- really pretty fall colors too. Among the best, yeah. it's hard to get good fall color on the coast, but that's a good one. Okay. If I see Kent, I'll tell him I gave you a call. He, he's a, tell him, he's a yeah. natural friend. Okay, I call him Squats. Tell tell Squats that Felder said, hey. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks All righty. You know, I I don't mind being scientific about stuff. I like plant physiology. I, I you know I enjoy the 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 botanics of stuff, but you know, and the insects, what they're made of, and all that stuff. But sometimes it's just a wild-eyed guess. And I'm okay with that, too, as long as I admit it up front. Let's slide over to Biloxi, see what Craig's up to. Craig, what's going on? Hey, good morning. Uh, I was wondering if bug zappers are are common and if they're real beneficial. And when does a garden become a farm? (laughs) Uh, a A garden becomes a farm when you start selling stuff. But uh, other, if you're giving it away, you're you know that's just you're, you're a nut. That's all it is to it. And and I say that lovingly. <laughs> but if you got too much to consume and you're giving it away, you're just a great gardener. If you get a little roadside stand out there, a whole different ball game. But, yeah, yeah, that's a point of contention. It swaps back and forth. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a matter of whether you're doing it because you love it or you're doing it because you're trying to produce something. It's a matter of intent, I guess. Anyway, the bug zappers, a lot of people use them, and there's a lot of there's pros and cons. Basically, they don't really control that many insects. As a matter of fact, they attract insects to their death. Um, and you know they and they do they do kill what zaps them, but not enough to really make an appreciable difference. And it's something that's really irritating, and it smells bad. It's a terrible thing to do to creatures because it attracts the good guys as well as the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, there were we we used them in, in our AKA garden, and and there was a few lizards in there too. Yeah, you know they're they're you know people humans. We need to have control of stuff, and I I do too. I make up my bed in the morning because it makes me feel like I got a grip, uh, and you know some people don't want anything except what they choose to get out there and insects really throw a, a wrench in, in in that in in those gears but the bug zappers are uh they're satisfying to some people in a kind of masochistic way but do they really do much not really okay i'm going back to the listening side here okay but at the same time you know they are kind of fun if you've got a little little masochistic streak in you 
Well, there's beep, mosquitoes too. Beep, I mean, I mean, beep, the mosquitoes beep, eat you up. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they will eat you up. You know what? Uh, you know, if uh, if you put a fan out there, a little oscillating fan, a little small breeze, mosquitoes can't take more than about a four mile an hour wind, five mile an yeah. hour. Yeah, I, I made a mosquito suit out of out of some nice flexible screen, <laughs> and that helps a lot. It, it does. I mean, I don't I don't like putting chemicals on me but the suit works good yeah well bug zappers do kill a lot of insects both both uh target and non-target uh but it's do they really make a big difference mm, a few people say yeah most people say nope yeah well chickens and stuff and, and birds do a lot help, help. yeah yeah I mean, so does just putting on a put on you know throw some deet on you uh, put yeah. get a get a fan out get you a fire fire gives off carbon and that attracts mosquitoes Okay. To the fire. Anyway, good luck on it, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, horticulture is production-oriented, crop-oriented, blue ribbon, yard of the month, filling a freezer, sharing with others, cut flowers, attracting butterflies. Anytime there's a goal, that's horticulture, and the little tricks and nuances help, and I'm glad to share those. But gardening is just for the fun of it. It's taking a Sharpie pen out there and painting a smiley face on a green tomato because that might be all you get before the squirrels get it. Gardening is for the journey. Gardening is process. Horticulture and farming is product. doesn't matter to me. Whatever floats your boat. I'd be glad to help on in both directions. So if you have a chance next week and you're anywhere near central, west central, east central Mississippi, downtown Meridian, right by the train station, is the fabulous Max. It is incredible. We're doing our broadcast. Me and Java and some foundation folks are going to be there. Starting live at 9 o'clock, we'll be broadcasting, and it's free. Bring a chair. Let's sit back and relax. Let's have a good time. I got some seeds from my yard to share. I'll be in my pickup truck. But mostly, we're going to be doing what we do best, and that's taking it to the street. Taking it to the street. We're going to go out and make people dirty. <laughs> anyway, if you have a kid, grandkids, neighborhood kids, take them to a farmer's market this weekend. Take them to a garden center. Take them any place where you can wiggle your finger around something and explain something and get kids involved in doing stuff. Show kids how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week.